This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. It is so good to be here with you today on, like Ryan was saying, on this Palm Sunday. What a special day it is. The last few weeks, we've been kind of walking through this series, and we started off in week one, if you remember, talking about that Jesus, Jesus is the point of life, <laughs> and that there's so many things so often in our lives that we chase after, and we strive after, and we seek after, hoping to fill us up, hoping will satisfy us, hoping will, will give us hope and, and life and fulfill us, and at the end of the day, a lot of those things we chase, they're not necessarily bad things, but they're not the thing that's going to fill you up. And at the end of the day, those things aren't going to be the things that satisfy. And if you put your hope in those things to be the end all, be all for your life, the meaning of your life, at the end of the day, you're going to end up empty. And that the only thing that can satisfy us as Christians, we believe this, and as Christians, I hope that we know this, is Jesus. And it's a deep, life-giving relationship with Jesus. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus is the gospel, that salvation isn't something that's earned by the law. It's not something that you earn by being good enough and doing enough and and getting your way into the club. There's no way you can get into the club on your own, right? That at the end of the day, the only way that we're saved is by the wonderful God who earned it for us, something we couldn't do for ourselves on the cross, for the forgiveness of our sins, for salvation and hope for our life. And today on this Palm Sunday, I'm excited to talk about God's grace for us. I have a good friend named Mitch. And uh, if you've been at the river long, I've probably told a few Mitch stories. He's one of my favorite people in the world. And he lives in Butler, Georgia. I hope he listens to the podcast. But um, there's a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this in church, which always makes you guys uncomfortable, right? But uh, there's this, uh, there's this particular commercial that I won't go into deep on, but they talk about the most interesting man in the world. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> Can we take that out of the podcast in case I get in trouble? Um, but if, if they do another thing where they're looking for the most interesting man in the world, Mitch would be on that. Like he, he deserves it. He's like one of the most interesting people you will ever meet. And if you ever met him, you will never forget Mitch. Okay. He's this old, he's this, I can't say old dude. He's this dude who got saved in his forties and was like a rocker, drug addict, got saved and like just radically loves Jesus. I don't know why I'm going in all this stuff about Mitch, but he's this awesome guy. And uh, Mitch tells this story, and every time I'm around him, every time I'm back in Georgia, I make him tell me this story. It's, it's a story about um, his gyrocopter. Any of you guys know what a gyrocopter is? <laughs> it's a small helicopter. And so Mitch has this gyrocopter, or he used to. He doesn't have it anymore. And, and, uh, but he used to have this gyrocopter, and one day he was out at the, he was out and he was going to fly it. And so he gets it up, he sets it up, he starts running the engine, and uh, he realized, as he's about to get into it, he realizes it's kind of windy and cold outside. And so he, he said he was going to go get a jacket. He's going to run back to the hangar, grab a jacket. So he grabbed a big rock, put it in front of the wheel of the gyrocopter, and headed back inside to go grab his jacket. He gets about halfway back to the hangar, and he looks back, and he realized that as that gyrocopter was going, doom, 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 it hopped over the rock. And that gyrocopter began going down the runway. Dun, 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 dun. And so Mitch, he's a lot of things. He's not in shape. And so he sees that gyrocopter, and he begins taking off towards that thing. And he's running, running, running. And he said he'd get to that thing, right? He'd almost catch up to it. Dun, 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 dun. And it hit a bump and turn. 
Dun, 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 dun. And so he chased it, chased it, chased it, chased it, and it hit, it hit a bump right when he could reach it, and it dun, 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 turned. He said that happened about three or four times, and they had this thought that this thing can kill me. <laughs> like it has blades spinning, I could die, right? And that's not how he wants to go out. And so he sat back and he waited and he watched for it as it went towards this, these trees, and he got an angle on it cut it off at the angle, got a good angle on it, jumped in, cut off. He threw up and then just laid on the ground. (laughs) And he said about that time, he hears this noise. Somebody walking up on the grass and says, hey, man, you okay? (laughs) And he said, he didn't even open his eyes. He just said, yeah. And then he just heard, as the guy was walking away. (laughs) The funniest thing about that story to me is that that joker was probably in the hangar watching him chase this thing the entire time, right? Right? He's like, I'm going to see how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) But Mitch says the moral of that story is to make sure your rock's big enough. For our purposes today, I'm going to say make sure your foundation's big enough. And grace, we talk about God's grace. God's grace is one of the foundations of the Christian faith, isn't it? It's one of the foundations of our faith. And I remember uh, sometimes we ask the question, we look at it and we go, what is grace exactly? What does it mean? I mean, I know I'm saved by God's grace. I know this stuff. What, what is grace exactly? And I, and I remember back when I was in college, one of the first theology classes I took, the professor brought us in and he asked us, he had this big board and he said, all right, I'm gonna, I want you guys to define grace for me. I want you to tell me what grace is. And so we begin, these these future pastors and future missionaries, we begin to try to define grace. And I remember as we're talking about grace, trying to define it, trying to narrow it down, what exactly grace is, I remember us having such a difficult time defining God's grace. And we struggle with it, trying to understand what exactly it is. And, And it's really interesting because Webster's Dictionary actually has one of the best definitions of grace. And let me read it. And you wouldn't expect the dictionary to get it right, but they do a good job. Webster's Dictionary says grace is the unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. Grace is this incredible gift that is offered to all mankind through Christ. It is, it's through the cross and only the cross, right, that God gives us not what we deserve, but his grace and his love and his kindness. He gives us not just what we don't deserve, but what we couldn't earn on our own, what we deserve to sin, death, hell, and the grave. And through his grace, he sends Christ to down the cross for us so that we can get not what we deserve, but what he wants to give us as Christians. That is his unmerited favor to you. Unmerited being something you could never earn, never deserve on your own. Ephesians 2 verse 2 says it like this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath. That sounds not good, right? (laughs) Children under wrath as others were also. And Ephesians 2, 4, one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, that even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. 
the beautiful truth of the gospel is that if you're a Christian in here today, before you were a Christian, you were dead. That's what we believe. You say, I don't feel dead. (laughs) Spiritually dead. Spiritually asleep. But even though we were dead in our sin, deserving wrath from God, deserving hell from God. If you're a Christian here today, you had that moment where you recognized that you needed God's forgiveness. You recognized that you needed God. You recognized on some level (laughs) through the power of the Holy Spirit that you were messed up, jacked up, screwed up, whatever it is, and you needed his grace. And the most amazing thing about that is although we were undeserving of God's grace, Ephesians 2 says this, that our God who is rich in mercy, and that word, I love that word rich. It's not like he had a little mercy, had some mercy. God gave it enough mercy. It was rich in mercy. That is overflowing with mercy, overpowering with mercy, overwhelming in mercy for you, overwhelming rich in mercy for you because why? Because of his great love for you made you alive through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Amen? And I can't wait, man. Next week, we're going we're gonna to worship the mess out of this place on that, not this place, of Jesus. <laughs> In this place, that's what I mean. You're like, y'all going to worship a school? <laughs> We're in the wrong church. <laughs> and he says, we are saved by grace. Like we talked about last week, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to earn it. God does it for you. And it's one of the most beautiful parts of our Christian faith, and it is the foundation in so many ways of our faith. Isn't God good to us? And sometimes, though, we're not quite sure what to do with that grace, are we? Like sometimes God's grace is a little confusing. It's like a gift you don't really know what to do with. You ever had gotten a gift you didn't know what to do with? Somebody gives you something, you're like, Th- thank you? <laughs> like, I'm going to put this in the garage and pull it out when you come over, right? I mean, I've never done that. I'm sure you haven't either, right? One time somebody, we got a gift. We had like a housewarming party back in another state and somebody gave us a gift and they opened it. We're like, all this stuff has very obviously been used. (laughs) This is not even close to being new, right? That was weird. (laughs) But sometimes we have God's grace and, and it's and we're not quite sure how it plays out in our lives. Like, we're not sure how, okay, I know grace saves me. I'm saved by grace, but how does that work out in my life going forward? Like, what do I, what do, I do with that? Like, I had a friend and, uh, she named Amy, and she was real confused because she said, I'm, I'm confused. Like, every time I sin, do I need to go back down and ask God to save me again? Like, do I have to become a Christian all over again? And some of us, maybe we're not quite sure about that. Like, do I have to keep earning God's favor after he forgives me, after he gives me grace? What do I what do? I do? do I have to stay perfect? How do I, how does that play out in my life? Or is this like where I just can do whatever I want now, right? And it, it's one of those things that we're just not quite sure sometimes how, to, how it plays out in our lives going forward. And sometimes we see grace and God's grace in our lives more as like a system and a concept to be taken advantage of, to be used in our life, right? And, and our human nature causes us, we think in ways of how can I take advantage of the system? How can I work the system? How can I use this system? Like I read an article in the, in the Huffington Post this last week about a uh, elderly couple who had figured out a system to manipulate the lottery and won $27 million. Can I get an amen on that one? Like, I'm like, I want to manipulate that system. <laughs> and I know some of us in here, you're like, well, I don't, that's not me. I don't manipulate systems. Like, so how many of you guys are sharing Netflix passwords? Oh, okay. Like, not me. Okay, Hulu. <laughs> right? 
And sometimes we have this thing with grace and we swing one way with it, like all this way, like we're not sure how to do it, so we go one way with it and it's grace gone crazy and it's, it's, it's like this idea that so now I can do what I want and, and, and what happens is sometimes we think that we can just take advantage of it and grace and, and forgiveness means I have this freedom to sin. Like when I was a youth pastor, I saw that all the time with teenagers, right? Like how's your walk with God? I'm doing great. Really? Because like you were, I saw a picture of you on Facebook, you were wasted last night. Yeah, but God's grace. No. <laughs> No, I think you're misunderstanding. I'm a really bad youth pastor, if that's what you think, right? I'm not preaching this thing right. And sometimes, sometimes we almost flaunt our sin in the grace of God. And I don't know if some people just don't realize that, that God's grace doesn't just save us, but it calls us to be transformed. We don't just realize that that's something that God does in our life. Like, he doesn't just leave you the way you are. His grace is actually transformation in your life. I don't know if some people don't get that. That's why you got the people on Facebook that's like, curse, 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 Bible verse. What? <laughs> Somebody in here is like, oh. <laughs> he saw my Facebook page. <laughs> some people confuse the grace of God with a get-out-of-jail-free card, and they miss that the grace of God is a grace that transforms our life. And it's really sad as a pastor because when I start preaching about God's grace, I want to talk about like God's amazing, powerful, wonderful grace for you, how he heals and he transforms and he has grace to save you from whatever. And even as I'm preaching that in the back of my head, I'm like, don't promote it too much because somebody might get grace crazy and think they can go sin. (laughs) Right? Doesn't that stink? Jesus agrees. And what happens when we do that is we see grace as a system to work instead of what it truly is. And so often there's people, they swing on that side. But then there's people who go the completely other way with grace. And they feel like, all right, God's given me this grace and I have to stay perfect and I have to continue to earn it. And even though they might not think that they're, that's what they're trying to do is continually earn his grace, that's what they do for themselves. And they set up this reward system where they can, they think they got to earn God's grace to stay on his good side. And that plays out as legalism. And so reading your Bible, going to church, paying your tithe, those things don't become something that we do as a Christian for, as we follow God, as God transforms us and grows us, it becomes a list that we got to check off to stay in his grace. And that's not grace either, is it? Because sometimes instead of loving Jesus, what happens is we try to set up this list to just make him happy to earn grace, which by definition cannot be earned. I don't want your idea of grace. I definitely don't want it to be a get-out-of-jail-free card, but I also don't want it to be about following rules so you're good enough because the rules that you set for yourself to earn God's grace, they'll never be enough. They're arbitrary. They're powerless, right? Like rules don't help us accomplish anything. (laughs) They tell you what to do, but they don't help you accomplish it. And when you set up the list and you got to follow it perfectly, then things become about getting the rules right, not about following Jesus. And what happens is the list and the rules make you feel more like a failure if you don't get it right and make you feel hopeless if you don't get it right and make you feel not good enough, which makes you, in the end of the day, not want to follow Jesus. And you're like, oh, I don't know if that's true. Okay, how many of us have been like, I'm going to read my Bible? And then you go, all right, I'm going to read it. I read it day one, read it day two. Oh, didn't read it day three, didn't read it day four. Well, now I can't do it anymore because I'm just going to stop, right? Like, I'm not even going to try. Well, you're missing the point of reading your Bible, man. (laughs) It's not a checklist, right? Like, 
it's not something external that just makes you look good on the outside. Like this Bible right here is the scriptures of our God that are Holy Spirit inspired, that are life transforming for you. But it will never be that if it's just something to check off your list so you stay on God's good side. You see what I'm saying? You see the difference? And at the end of the day, if grace to you is just something that you got to keep earning so you can be good enough, you're not pointing to Jesus as grace. You're making it all about you. If you get it right, if you do good enough, if you, if you can play the game your way, then at the end of the day, you feel real good about yourself. But those things quit pointing you to Jesus. You feel like, oh, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Jesus must be real proud of me. He is, but it ain't because of that. God's grace humbles us. God's grace points to Jesus. The rules that we set for ourselves to make ourselves look perfect so we think we can be good enough for God, all they do is they don't actually lead you to Jesus. They make you just feel like a success or a failure based on how you perform. And so on one side, we've got get out of free jail card, get out of jail free card. And on the other side, we got got to be good enough, got to earn it, got to stay on God's good side. And the truth is, I think both of those sides are missing what grace is. In this book that we've been kind of walking through, the author says this really cool thing. He has this really cool perspective on how he challenges us to see grace. And I want to do that for you today. He, 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 he challenges us to change the way we think of grace. He says grace is more than a principle. Grace is more than an idea. Grace is more than a doctrine. Grace is more than a dogma. It's more than a cover-up for our sin. Grace is a person. Grace's name is Jesus. John 1, 14 through 17 says this, The Word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace. Verse 16, indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses. That's what we talked about last week, right? The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace, Jesus is full of grace and truth, and from his fullness, did y'all catch that? It says we have, we have received grace upon grace upon grace. Essentially, Jesus oozed grace. Jesus embodied grace. Jesus is grace. And when you read stories in the Bible, you see people as they meet Jesus, and they can't help but notice that there's something different about this guy. Like, especially the people who needed, who know that they needed grace, they, they can't help but chase him down, right? Like, you got the woman at the well meeting Jesus, being transformed. You got the woman caught in adultery. He says, stand up and sin no more. And she runs off and she's transformed. You got Zacchaeus, who was a wicked dude, man. Like, not in a cool way, right? Like, wicked, a awful human being. And he hears about this Jesus and he just wants to meet him. He just wants to see him. You got people in the Bible who are like, man, if I could just touch Jesus, I know I can be healed. You got sinners who are considered the worst of the worst of the worst, who are ashamed of themselves, and they think, if I could just get to Jesus, my life could be different. Jack Hayford has a really awesome quote. He said, grace is God meeting us at our point of need in the person of Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool. What that means is we were lost, we were damned, we were on our way to hell, and God sent grace. He sent Jesus. 
And I think that when we begin to think of grace not as a principle, not as some theological idea, when we think about grace as Jesus, as a person, then abusing grace is no longer an option. Then filling out some checklist to keep grace happy isn't an option anymore. It's easy to manipulate a system or abuse a principle or excuse away a doctrine, but it's much harder to abuse a person, isn't it? Like I think about my marriage with my wife, and she is way too good to me, man. <laughs> like she is sweet and she is kind and she is, she is just so, so good to me. And if you don't know who my wife is, she was the hot one on stage singing. <laughs> and let me tell you about her, though. All of her goodness and kindness to me, like I, she loves me so much. I've never had a moment in my life where I sat back and I was like, you know what? She is so good and she is so kind and she loves me so much. I could probably abuse her and she would still forgive me. I could probably cheat on her and she'd let me back in the club. I could probably, right? Like, and I'm generally the dude that asks for forgiveness, not permission, but not in that situation, right? Like all of her goodness and kindness to me doesn't, doesn't lead me to go, all right, let me see how much I can get away with, right? It actually leads me to be more faithful to her and love her more and want to do good for her. Why? Because I'm not being faithful and good and kind to, to an idea, to, to some, something like, to some dogma, an impersonal thing called marriage. I'm being faithful and kind and loving to a person. And that person is my wife, Katie. And everything good that she does for me and to me only reinforces my commitment and my faithfulness and my love to her. Her faithfulness and kindness to me doesn't tempt me to cheat on her. It makes me more faithful to her. It makes me love her more. And that is Christians. That's what God's grace should do for us. It should make us look to Jesus and go, man, I want to love him more. I want to serve him more. I want to. We think of grace as a person and not just a principle. When you look into the eyes of grace, when you meet grace, when you embrace grace, when you see the nail prints on the hands of grace, when you see his relentless love for you, it will not motivate you to sin. It will not motivate you to make some list. It will motivate you to love him back. And that will transform your life. Let me tell you something about me. You may know this. I am a really selfish person. And, you know, pastors say that. You know, you're like, I got to be transparent. I am selfish. No, I am a selfish person. <laughs> And like having a son only revealed to me how much, how much, how very selfish I am, right? Like I remember when he was born and he was like, he never leaves. <laughs> like he's here all the time. God, we got to take care of you more. You just pooped, you know? Like I remember, I've told you this before, but I remember sitting in the bed like the week he was born and just being like, why didn't anybody tell me how hard this was? This stinks, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a jerk, man. I know. I know. But at least I know. Some of you don't know. And I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> but over time, my love for him, for that little boy, has grown me. And I'll, I'll tell you this, it has changed me. It has made me, hopefully Katie would attest to this, it has made me a better, kinder, more patient, more loving person. And there is nothing I would not do for his good. Love does that, nothing else.
And love can help us do some pretty amazing things. And what I want for you more than anything is I want your relationship with God to be based on a love for Jesus, not a fear of him, not an attempt to earn his love. I want you to meet grace. I want you to meet the Savior, and I want you to fall in love with Jesus. And I believe with all of my heart that that will change your life because love changes things. Is there anybody in here that likes to work out? No one likes you. It's fine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whenever I was like 20, um, I'm just kidding. Somebody does. When I was 20, uh, me and my friend Brandon got a gym membership. And I remember we'd go in there and we'd work out. And we'd work out for like 10 minutes. And we worked on, you know, got to work on the pecs and the biceps. Never the legs because no one cares about that, right? Sun's out, gun's out. Right? You got to look good, right? And uh, anyways, we'd work out for like 10 minutes, and then we would lay on the workout benches, and there was a TV in there, and we'd watch dating game shows. <laughs> like, anybody was like, there was one that was like a bus where people would get on a bus and something, they'd date, and they'd kick them off the bus. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But the point of that is I don't like working out that much. Like, I, I work out in groups. I enjoy that. But like, I don't like working out by myself. Like, I... I am not even making this up. I'm the guy that I'll work out by myself at the house, and I'm like, all right, man, I must have been working out for like 30 minutes. I'm so tired. I'm like, a minute and a half, right? <laughs> like, how is that possible, <laughs> right? But what I do love, and I joked about this last week, what I, what I do love is playing basketball. Like, we'll get together at the gym, and we'll play basketball for two hours, and I'll walk over to my watch and be like, I thought it was 30 minutes, it's been two hours already? Like, I got to go home. What's the difference? One makes me feel miserable, <laughs> and one I love. I feel like some of our faith sometimes, sometimes our walk with Jesus feels more like working out than doing something you love. And let me tell you this about your faith, is it's not designed to be a burden on you. We talked about that last week. Your faith is based on grace, and it is designed to breathe life into you, not to weigh you down or exhaust you. It is designed to breathe life into your soul. You have a God who loves you. Fall in love with him back. And he has offered you grace, not as something that you can get away with every, whatever you want, but grace to enable you to follow him so that you can know him deeply. Remember that Webster's Dictionary, grace is unmerited divine assistance from God given to humans for their regeneration and sanctification. Sanctification is a fancy word for transformed life. He has given you grace, and that grace will help transform your life. Jesus' grace for the walk. His grace walks with us and enables us to grow and be transformed and be changed. And guess what? If you're a Christian in here today, he will call you to change some things in your life. And he will call you to grow in some areas of your life. And he will call you to do some things in your life that will be difficult. But he does it because he loves you. And when you love him back through the power of his Holy Spirit, those things, though they may seem difficult and crazy and hard in your life, will become a whole lot easier than you ever thought possible. And a lot of those things will become a joy in your life versus a burden in your life. You hear what I'm saying, church? And so today, as the band's going to come and, and play, we're going to worship God for his grace. And we're going to love him for his grace. 
what I want for you today, River Church, is I want you to structure the foundation of your faith, not to be something where you're just trying to follow a list of rules to make Jesus happy. Don't make grace some thought or, or impersonal concept to be abused. But remember this, that grace is a person, that grace is Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, River Church, to fall in love with grace. Fall in love with Jesus. And if you're at a place in your life where your Christian walk has felt more like a burden and a weight than breath, a breath of fresh air in your lungs, breathe him in today, church. Seek him today. Let him breathe life into you. Let him lift you up. Let him heal you. Let him transform you. Love him back. Love him back. And live in grace. Father, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your just amazing grace. We sing that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And it is so true. We've been set free and we have found life. And as Christians in this place, we have found hope and freedom, God. Let us live in that freedom. Let us live in that hope. Let us live in that grace. But most importantly, let us fall in love with you, Jesus. And transform us, God. God, we worship your holy name. Let us worship you in this place, even as we close out the service. In Christ's name, amen.